On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat for the third time. This is the first guest who has ever been on the podcast three times, Chris Ship Furling. We had such a good conversation all around what the M&A market is looking like in 2023. We talked about all of the things that you need to do as a brand before you even think about selling. You guys are not going to want to miss this one. Hey guys, thanks again so much for tuning in today. I have something very special for you that you are going to want to know all about. Ever wonder how to leverage the data that you already have to drive more profit? I'm talking about the actual data that is deep inside of your company that you may not even realize. Well, introducing the Leverage Playbook by Jordan Salvit over at Salvit Advisory. This isn't just another business tool. It is an actual game changer. And I'm excited to tell you about some of the results that I'm seeing with some of our companies as well. By simply connecting your analytics ecosystem, Salvat Advisors is going to unearth two to three really quick wins that have been hiding right underneath your nose. So whether you're using Google Analytics, Shopify, Amazon, they have you covered. And the best part, you are going to receive a custom pitch deck specifically tailored to your brand, combining your data with their strategic expertise. If you are ready to elevate your direct-to-consumer brand, head over to salvit.com, that's S-A-L-V-I-T.com, and discover the insights that you have been missing. Remember, when scaling, every single decision counts. Let Salvit Advisors guide you to the next level. Check it out now or down in the show notes. Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Today, I am joined by a friend, mentor, just all around great guy, Chris Ship Furling. Welcome back. Three times is a charm on the podcast. Welcome, <laughs> welcome back, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. I always appreciate. I always appreciate. And I always love being on your podcast, dude. It's always so much. Everyone feel like a podcast. It feels like we're just having one of our normal conversations that we have. Totally. I mean, like hopefully we won't swear as much as we normally do. But uh, you know, Chris and I have this. We have this great relationship where we could just really be like. I mean, I didn't even tell you one of my my big swearing incidents that I need to tell you about later. But we'll do that off the podcast. But Chris, for people, <laughs> people for people who don't know anything about you or what yeah. what you're up to these days, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what, what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So we are an advisory. Advisory to acquisition, you know, call us a business consulting, lower middle market investment bank. There's a lot of ways to really kind of title what we are, but I think that's that's a bit of not the issue. It's we we do a lot of things, and so as of recently, what we've been doing to simplify, we get involved as early as a business owner will will allow us to get involved to help affect and optimize every function of the business, backdropped against an exit to make the company a much more valuable asset at the right time. It's supposed to go to market. Yeah. Go to market. Now it's let's figure out when to go to market. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I've, I've been thinking about this lately and, and I had this little, you know, funny kind of thought come to mind. I haven't posted anything about it yet, but my thought was like, you know, if real estate agents or real estate is all about location, 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 M and a is yeah. all about timing, 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 right. And going public, right. Like all of the different steps, it's it's really about about what time you're going to go to market because no, it's right, not true right now. I mean, I I don't know actually exactly right now, but I can tell you in the last year and a half that would not have been the greatest time to go to market. So if you have probably that's right. you probably should have been chatting with somebody like Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, and, and you know that brings up a good point. I mean, you know, and that's part of the reason why we pivoted to this, the product that we're offering. We've always talked about doing something like this, where you know we've always said, hey, if a business owner can let us get involved early, we can give the answers to the test. 
a lot earlier. Yeah. And then by the time, by the time the, the company does go through a process, you know, it's a much more, it's a stronger business. It's a much more valuable asset. Um, but, you know, the past year and a half has been very difficult for M&A. There's no question. It's, you know, we've seen a, an upside down credit market. A lot of lower middle market deals get done through through credit facilities, debt facilities. You know, those interest rates have, of course, gone gone skyrocketing. Yeah. So it's tough to get capital to purchase. Therefore, business valuations have also come down. You know, there's been a misalignment in terms of how much the seller still wants for the company versus what the buyer is willing to pay. You have a tire, which we won't even get into because I think it's a tired discussion. You have a whole aggregator market that's completely cratered, you know, that was really the ones driving a lot of the demand yeah. for at least Amazon-centric businesses. That's why you had multiples going where they were going is yeah. because you kind of had a little bit of phantom demand, you know, not really market or asset-driven principles. You had more like that phantom demand of, oh, I want it more than this person. Yeah. And it just drove up valuations. Well, now those are back to what they were pre-pandemic, which is like three multiple, three and a half. Yeah. And yeah. so, but even for a really great business, that's the other side of the coin. And, you know, businesses you and I have worked on together, currently still work on. Yeah. Great businesses know it's not time for me to go to market yet. Mm -hmm. I still, mm -hmm. I, I still have some growing up to do. And if the market isn't going to give me this more and more analogies, once the oceans heal themselves in the year 18 months from now and, you know, valuations have gone back up, you know, PE funds, capital, they're feeling more confident about the consumer. They're feeling more confident about the future of yep. the economy. Yeah. Well, value, obviously multiples are going to go back up and their weight. That's all. Yep. There's a lot of that. That's happening with really good businesses. And not to ramble on about this, but one more point. We've been talking to M&A Desk, and they have said, they've confirmed, they, they, they're, we're really getting it from them. I mean, this is the confirmation, which they're saying, hey, it's really difficult for us to find a great business because great business, great businesses don't want to sell right now. Yeah. Yeah, so, totally. Because they know their value, right? They know their value, and they yes. know that, that value actually isn't going to be, like, they're not going to be able to get that value in the marketplace or be able to sell to somebody or a group that they actually want to sell to. That's that's another that's one right. of the things I'm hearing out there, too. Right. You know. Chris, let's let's chat about. So I just want to kind of set this up here for a second. So I have bought and sold, you know, a few different businesses over the years. I really enjoy that. I love being on the buyer side. That's my favorite side to be on because I it's love fun. finding this this gold within within companies. But very interestingly, you cannot just decide tomorrow to sell your business, right? You yeah. maybe maybe you've got the fundamentals down, but for most people, they cannot decide that. I've got somebody that I'm that I'm doing some consulting with right now. Uh, on that lower end, who has just decided now that they want to sell their business. And I'm like, it's not that easy. It's it's not yeah. like you need to have these foundational things. And so it's kind of hoping that we could dive into a little bit of that, Chris, so that people can start to yeah. get in the back of their minds what you're looking at when you're prepping yeah. somebody for that next you know 18 months or so. What exactly are you putting in place so that this is a business that somebody can actually buy? Yeah, I mean, look for for us and for for anything for anything, whether you're on the buyer side or you know you're you're on the consulting side, your first your first and foremost phase is always just analysis. It's a deeper analysis of the business, and you're going through every single function of the company. And to your point, you're going to backdrop or context everything against what is a buyer going to think about this. Yeah. So, for instance, what are some of the pillars? What are some of the most important things? that I need to work on. Every business is different, but just to kind of highlight in a generalist way, what are the things that a buyer is going to go, wow, I really like that. Well, number one, be a brand. 
please be a brand. Don't yeah. be a commodity. Yeah. And you and I can riff. That could be a five series podcast, you know, episode, et cetera, with lots of different people talking just about what does it mean to be a brand? I, I heard it. It was said perfectly to me once. Being a brand is getting the second conversation with the consumer. I was like, that's mm. a really good way of putting that, like a really good way. And yeah, it's, it's the way the consumer values and views your company. And yeah. brand building is so, so, so important. And again, I could go and layer in, in, into more detail about that, but just to try and keep it a bit high level, you've got something that's more than just logo and good Pantones. Like you've got real uh, loyalty. You've yeah. got real advocates. It's the net promoter score, right? That yeah. you and I have had lots of conversations about like you need to get that thing up 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 because yeah, that's right proves, yes to make great brand i'm yeah. a very very good well i just want to step in there chris because i have some some strong thoughts about this as well so number one nps i'm so glad that you brought that up because that is something that every single time that we onboard a client into uh up growth commerce we're looking we're like are you tracking nps 99.9 percent of people are no. not they're not no. tracking nps and it's such an incredible I like, I, I know it, it seems kind of lame how we measure MPS. Like it's just a really quick survey, but it actually matters. And you can actually see these trend lines that are very interesting and really does show you, you know, do you have a brand or do you have a product, right? And yeah. brands to me can sell whenever they want, right? They can pivot yeah. into different areas, right? Like I, I think about one of, the, one of the brands that we own, Keep Nature Wild. It's like, what do we sell? Well, we, all sorts of stuff, right? Like we're really serving our customer with, with a bunch of different items that all happen to center around keeping nature wild, right? That is what we, that is right. what we are. That's your brand promise. It's yeah. part of your brand story, but you have a brand promise that bleeds into what, what my brand story really is, what I represent, who am I at my core? And then from your core, you're doing all of your product development. And then of course, all the marketing around that, you know, kind of flows into brand story, brand promise, product development. So that's a really good segue, by the way. Do you actually have a view of product development? Do you have a roadmap? And let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah. Do you have any, look, you'll hear the basic, the basic version. Do you have any IP? You know, do you have any, but let's dig in on what that really means in terms of, do you have IP? Do you have utility patents? Cause that is gold, do you, but do you have design patents? That's just as good. Yeah. Do you have yeah. something that give assurance to someone buying the company that I feel protected because I'm buying the future, man. I'm not buying what you've done. Yeah. So I've got to always look forward in this way. So if I'm going to look forward in this way, I got to go, well, what are the risk mitigating factors in terms of me achieving a much greater plan than what you achieved? Because that's why I'm buying it for return, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let's look at your product, product development. We'll look at current product set. Walk me through where you're going with this though. Where is the product development headed? Give me a roadmap, please. And I can tell you, there are a lot of business owners that we work with a lot like when you onboard with NPS, give us your roadmap. And it's very far and few between that someone has a full, fully dedicated roadmap. We sold a direct to consumer stroller company many years ago. We were able to juice the multiple because they had a three-year roadmap that was highly defendable. Wow. wow. Highly, highly, highly defendable with like actual, we've already got IP in motion for three of these products yeah. and it's going to launch in two years from now. Dude, that is huge. 
Huge, huge, huge. I've got a funny question for you. You're planning on scaling your business because if you are, every single decision is absolutely crucial. And that's where Salvat Advisors comes in with their leverage playbook, which I absolutely love myself. All you have to do is go and connect your core data sources and they're going to reveal insights that can immediately boost your profit potential. Plus, you're going to get a custom pitch deck designed just for your brand. Do not miss out on this opportunity to grow. Jordan Salvat is absolutely phenomenal and makes me feel, to be honest, just incompetent comparatively. So head over to salvat.com to get started today. That's S-A-L-V-I-T.com. And again, remember, all of this stuff is down in the show notes after today's episode. Let's be honest, most companies, right? Most most of the brands that, that you and I, you know, talk to and not, not necessarily work with, I think that lots of the ones that you and I are working on together really actually do. I mean, you get to help set the foundation, then bring us in on the marketing side. And it's just, it's a phenomenal partnership, guys. Just so you know, like I- It is good. Oh, it's very good. Yeah, I love, <laughs> That's right. I love working with Chris. When helpful. I'm when I'm ready to sell one of our brands, you know, in the next couple of years, I'll tell. We're going to do it together, man. To. We're going to do it together. Right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So thinking about that, that product roadmap, guys, the way that I picture a lot of brands out there doing it, and I'm going to tell you guys, I am not immune from this at all uh, on the product roadmap side, though I don't really have a ton to do with that at our companies. But what I have noticed is that, you know, when we think about the seven habits, four quadrants, the whole idea of urgent, important, right? So the urgent, important seems to always take precedent. And so that happens with our product development as well, right? Instead of putting product development into quadrant two, which is this beautiful quadrant where we can live from and be calm and actually create these incredible things. And that's not urgent important, right? That's where product development needs to sit. And so having a three, you know, a three-year product roadmap isn't just good for potentially selling your business. It's just good for your business. Right? It's, well, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's the other thing too. It's, it's like, you know, we're, we're doing everything from a backdrop of, okay, let's make a more valuable asset, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, even if you never sold the company, doing all of these things is going to do nothing but just produce more cash flow. Yeah. It's 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 gonna make it's gonna make you wealthier because the company is gonna produce more money. It's a real all of these all of this is just an incredible exercise. Going through each function, optimizing every function, scoring the function, etc. But yeah, so branding, we go through product development. We talk a lot about that. You know, look, finding good product developers is within reach now. There's a lot of you know, in the gig economy, there are a lot of enterprise level product developers that came from Unilever, that came from PNG, or middle market, strong innovation driven companies that have started their own consulting firms. And they are not, they don't cost an arm and a leg. I mean, no. we worked with an industrial designer on a toy company recently that worked at Hasbro and Mattel and Disney and like had real toy background. And I can tell you, highly affordable using someone with that type of experience, highly affordable. It's within reach. And I think a lot of small business owners, that's the other thing is they don't really know where to turn for some of these resources. Totally. I'm not saying we're some gatekeeper, but yes, we do have those resources, like where yeah. we can put you in touch with someone who is affordable for your company that can produce a very strong, innovative product roadmap for you that rolls up to your brand promise and rolls yeah. up to your brand. So. Chris, are you okay with people yeah. getting a hold of you to, to chat through some of that stuff? Is that is that okay if people? Oh gosh, get, get in touch yeah, with you? you know, you know, 
You know how much I like to talk, man. Bring it on. <laughs> he does. He yeah. the, the guy loves to talk. And that's why we're talking on the podcast. I'm like, hey, Chris, can you that's just right. be quiet and let's get this recording, okay? <laughs> it's impossible. Jordan, it's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> well, it's unfortunately two of us here that do the exact same thing. So exactly. Uh, exactly. That's right. So I always know to stretch our calls out even longer, you know? like You have to. Look, man. It's like you just you give me your 15-minute calendar. I need like a, an hour and 15. Yeah, so, you're like, but, why are you giving me your 15? That's like... We, we won't even get to talk. Uh, well, we'll get past hello. We'll get past the pleasantries. But so, yeah, I mean, yeah. look, you know, and, and to, to try and be more succinct about other functions, of course, nat- naturally, we're going to go to sales and we're going to go to a- a- acquisition channels, you know, yeah. marketing, yeah. you know, and, and there's a lot of layers in marketing. Obviously, you've, you've been a very great partner for us in helping us identify some of the pitfalls. But what's been really great about utilizing some, someone like us in our firm to work with someone like yourself we we bring a lot of the data science to the table yeah. and then you guys know how to we give some actionable insights you guys know how to interpret it you know i'm thinking about one client that we're working with you know we were able to do a lot of digging and kind of scientific data work to present to their team to present to you here's our guiding here's our guiding principles in terms of how we're going to think about cac and ltv and customer acquisition and when we go into a new acquisition channel, here's how we're going to think about it. Here's a unit economics around yeah. this particular channel, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's, and we dive into sales channel, of course. I mean, a lot of the folks that you work with are primarily D2C yeah. and kind of single, single channel, but there is a lot of other channels to get into. There's, of course, you work with a lot of folks who are Amazon, but there's a lot you can do to have Amazon and your D2C become good partners with one another. Totally. And there's ways that you can tr- create Amazon to, to be an acquisition channel. Walmart yeah. Marketplace. You know, you've got now TikTok shops, which, you know, that's been an interesting endeavor for a lot of folks. And the one, one, of the, one of the coolest things I think that's happening right now, too, is from a niche perspective, there's a lot of new marketplaces that are popping up. Like Michael's has developed a marketplace, you know, like Michael's like arts and crafts really? or whatever. And, yeah, oh, I heard that about a year and yeah. a half ago. So I, I haven't seen it come to fruition, but Home Depot has a marketplace. Macy's has a marketplace. I mean, like that's targets. Uh, there are years. other channels to do. Yeah, exactly. There's other yeah. channels to pursue than just one. And really what we do is just kind of dig in and, and understand what's the best channels to move into that matches the brand, basically the brand story and brand promise. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not every third party marketplace is a fit for you. Like I'm thinking about some of our brands. No. Wal- Walmart doesn't necessarily do that for us as far as, you know, values and mission and all that kind of stuff, but basically right. everybody else does. So, and that's unfortunately, I mean, that's just a, that's just the way that consumers view things in my mind. So that's probably one of the reasons why we would stay away from there. But yeah. Tons of brands can go, I mean, get into Walmart. Like it's, it's yeah. incredible, right? It's absolutely incredible. What else are you looking at, Chris? Yeah, well, we're looking at, you know, the other functions. Look, infrastructure, HR, it's important. I mean, again, if I'm going to take the company out to go through a process and a buyer looks at this and says, a private equity fund looks at this company and says, wow, there's a lot of rock stars in this company and they're all willing to stay on. Yeah. If I buy this, they'll stay on. The owner is willing to roll equity and stay on as well. Like I'm, I'm buying infrastructure. Well, you just mitigated my risk. Yeah. And the people who put the who actually put the plan together will want to stay on to see the plan towards some level of fruition. Wow, that's awesome. So that's important. You've got to think you've got to think through that infrastructure. You don't want to bloat the company with people, but you want to do the Jim Collins thing, man. 
right people on, on the bus, wrong people off the bus, and right people, right seats. And some of those seats are occupied by service providers too. That's also part of oh, the yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. Can I? I, I for I, businesses, that's the important, that's one of the most important pieces is having the right service providers in those seats. Totally. I, I just, I wanted to tell you a little story here that, that has something to do with this to know how incredibly, how incredibly important this is. So we were struggling with one of our companies. I'm not going to tell you which one it was, but there was, we were just having some really big internal struggles and, and performance was down. We were about a third of, of where we needed to be from an uh, ARR standpoint or from an MRR standpoint, just was not working. And so we cut our team down from 15 down to four and we wow. just started all over. We just, I was like, no wrong people, everybody out. And if you guys know me, yeah. I'm just too nice. I've, I've been too nice over the years. And so I just allow, you know, you tolerate all this behavior and you're just like, ah. I was like, you know what? No, no more. And so we got rid of basically everybody built back up. I was on a staff meeting this morning with them and I looked at the, the team and I was like, oh, we're back to 16 people. Right Holy cow. And, and this, all of them the right are the right people. This is it's incredible. Right That's right. And so That's exactly. it's so, dif so difficult, but so needed, right? Like this is a That's company right. I, I want an exit out of in the next little while. And we weren't going to be able to do it there. And that's no, sucks. and now you, now you will. It's, I mean, look, the right team, we could talk for days about the right team, but I mean, look, it's, it's even down to, you know, we're working with a client right now. We just recently helped find, find and secure a director of marketing. And, you know, it's even little things like that where the business owner just doesn't know where to turn. They don't have the right resources to find the right people. Yeah. We were interviewing for this particular director of marketing position. We were interviewing people that came from Lazy Boy and Little Caesars and Swatch and Crown and Caliber and, you know, Lego and all these amazing, great. I mean, yes, they are more enterprise, but still they had just unbelievable skill sets and acumen. Yeah. And the particular business owner did not know how to find those people. And it's not like we just, again, we're not some gatekeeper. We don't have some secret sauce. We have really strong resources to help the business owner find something that's within reach, but then also interviewing those people. Like we know how to just get right to the punchline because we've analyzed hundreds and thousands of businesses and we know the right person for that particular seat too. Totally. So I'm getting really granular in that particular function. But to your point, I love that. I think you, I think you, you just articulated it through an actual story. It's really important to make sure you've got the right team in place. Yeah. Because that's an asset. The right team is a huge asset. It will, no question, it increases the valuation. Of your yeah, totally. The, the one thing that I'm thinking about that you haven't mentioned yet, and I'm sure you would mention, but that person at the top, whoever that is, and, and to me also, it's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in the last year, which has been a really difficult year, guys, in just in business in general. But one of the biggest things that I've learned is that flat leadership does not work. There has to be one yeah. person at the top everybody answers to and is setting the vision. Without that, no one knows what to do, right? No one knows what the vision of the company is. And so that person needs to be, it can only be one. I do not believe in the dual CEO role. I don't think it works. I mean, maybe it worked for Netflix, maybe, you know, it just, to me, there has to be that one person that everybody answers to that is setting an incredible vision for your employees. That is what it comes down to. Yeah, and I mean, the best leaders you'll ever meet are the leaders who maybe haven't sold the company yet. It company is 25, 20 million and they have enough humility to go. I've got to find the right leader for the business. Like I yeah, know how to yeah. get it here, 
And that's usually actually the inflection point. And we've talked to a lot of, we talked to, I wouldn't, I'm not going to use the term a lot, but we've talked to some business owners that are at that point. And they're like, Hey, I'd like to either, I need to either sell my business or I want to find somebody else. And we talk that like through with them. Like, what does that really look like? And, and, but that's usually they use the company usually hits an inflection point for the one who started the business. I need, I need to get out. We're working with another client now. That's like, once I, once this thing reaches 10 million and it's probably going to reach 10 million run rate in the next call it six months is he's like, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not the guy. Like I know it. Like I need to, I need to either sell or I've got to bring in a, I've got to bring in a CEO or a pretty strong leader here. You bring up a great point, man. That's a really, really good point for sure. As far as like having that person driving the vision, yeah, driving, like this is where we're going. Good point. So yeah. And final thing, look, operations, we dig in ops, supply chain is an asset now. And yeah. it's, you know, thanks to COVID, it's a massive asset. So it's just really, that's more technical in nature. You know, there's not a whole lot of strategic thinking other than when you're dealing with suppliers, that's more, that's the most strategic part of supply chain. And there's all, there's all, you know, founder owners that we've worked with for the majority have struggled to negotiate with their suppliers, have struggled to build relationships, like the right relationships with their suppliers. Yeah. You know, being in different countries require different types of kind of cultural relationships and getting over certain cultural barriers, you know, like China, which is of course, majority of manufacturing. We have a lot of owners that have never even been there before, never even met their supplier, never even traveled there. And that's a big detriment to the company. They are, it's a big culture on relationship and you can get so much further by just getting a plane ticket, it's well worth the investment and spending time with your supplier. So yeah, supplier is probably the biggest kind of strategic point or benefit to the supply chain. So, Awesome. Chris, before we get into the last few questions that I've got for you, where can people connect with you? And also who's the ideal yeah. person? You know, if somebody's listening to this and it's, you know, kind of tugging on their heartstrings a little bit thinking like, yeah. ah, you know, I think I'm looking at an exit in the next few years. Like, who, yeah. who are those ideal people to, to potentially just at least have a conversation with you? Yeah. I mean, look, most people who are listening to, to this podcast, I assume are consumer product, you know, business owners. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, we, we only work with consumer products. I'm not even going to give a caveat. Like we used to do a little bit in SaaS, very little. We used to do some in eight, very little in agency, never sold an agency, but we dabbled in, you know, talking to a few agency owners. We only do consumer products. And so that's our, that's our, that's our strong suit. That's our skill set. We're very, very good with consumer products. If your business is at a, at a level where you're doing, you know, we'll just use the proverbial seven figures, but more like two, three million, let's start having a conversation. And at the very, 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 very worst, which is actually still good, we've got a lot of really strong resources we can make introductions to. You know, and, and at least kind of just have some, what I would consider more or less altruistic discussions about the current state of your company, and maybe just give you some advice on what you need to do next. Our ideal client though, is someone who's about the five to 7 million of revenue. They've gotten to a place where they're like, okay, I really would love to understand what my plan towards an exit actually looks like. Totally. Like what's my full 12 to 24 month plan. I want to get people who can give me answers to the test as early as possible. I want to affect the value of my business. I want to juice it for as much as I can. And I want to go to market at the right time. Five to seven million consumer products. That's usually our, our biggest strike zone. And they're seeing growth. They just need strategic resources. They need some help to really kind of figure out the next step to go from five to seven to 20, et cetera. 
Yeah, yeah. And on our side, interestingly, we love working with those companies too. Those are like exactly. our favorite things. That's why, when, that's why we get along so well. Yeah, and, <laughs> and like right. we, we love when when brands that work with us get exits. It's like that's just the greatest. Like it's I huge, absolutely man. Absolutely love that. Yeah, it's huge. It's 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 the one of the largest liquidity events. And the average the average is you only do it once, like one big one. That is the yeah. that is the kind of historical average, one exit. And usually that one exit is it's it can go from life changing to generational wealth. I mean, those are those are such a big event. That's a very big event for a lot of people. So yeah, it's fun, man. Fun to watch. Yeah. Fun to be a part of. Absolutely. Chris, I'm gonna ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? What's my secret to scaling? Oh gosh. Product development, focus on product development. Product yeah. is king, man. I, I can't say it enough. Product is stinking king. And I'd say right next to that, focus on your brand. Do some better digging. Do some vision questing. <laughs> and, and really dig in harder on your brand. And make, make sure you really know who your brand is trying to reach and what it represents. It, it irons out a lot of problems you run into with marketing and scaling when it comes to like being the technician on you know spending more on creative for facebook okay well i needed i can spend more because i know who i'm trying to reach and what they like the best and my brand represents this that's where we've seen brands go like that yeah yeah so. absolutely chris thank you so much for your time today guys as, yeah of course as always everything that chris and i have talked about will be down in the show notes we're going to throw his email address down there. So it's going to be scraped by a bunch of bots and he's just going to get a ton of emails. Uh, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> but seriously, guys, really recommend if you guys are thinking about an exit in the next, you know, one to three years, highly, highly recommend getting a hold of Chris again. Chris isn't a sponsor, just a good friend here. And we love to work together on, uh, on lots of these projects. And I'm just honored to get to work on these projects alongside of you um, because it's so incredible. It is life changing for people. Like we said before, it is. It, it, it is, it's incredible. So any parting words or ways that people can connect with you, Chris? Yeah. I mean, I think you know us by now. There's no way, there's no way we would ever pitch anybody. You know, if you have, if anybody that's listening just has any type of questions across all the different functions that we discuss, please let's just chat. Like we're happy. Yeah. We're just happy to help genuinely. Yeah. So my parting, that's my parting words. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Chris. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey, guys, thanks again so much for listening to today's episode. You guys know how much I appreciate that so much. Again, I want you guys to be able to unlock the power of all of that data that you have with Salvit Advisors Leverage Playbook. Discover hidden wins and get a tailored pitch deck just for your brand. Elevate your business now at salvit.com. That's S-A-L-V-I-T.com. And remember, everything that we've talked about, including the link to the Leverage Playbook, is down in the show notes. Have a great day, everyone.